We'll just pray. Lord, we come together um, to, to, to see what you see, to just have our eyes opened to, uh, to your love, to your life, to what you've done for us. Thank you, Father, that your love for us is so strong that it raises us up unto life and that nothing that happens in this world can keep your love from raising us up unto life. I thank you, Lord, that that be put on display in our midst. I thank you, Lord, that we can see clearly today um, how the cares of this world try to affect our hearts, how they try to affect the hearts of our children. And I thank you, Lord, that you put clearly on display today that you minister to all of our hearts what you've done to keep our hearts from the care of the world, what you've done to keep our children's hearts from the cares of the world. I thank you, Lord, that the lives of our children will be born from, from you and from uh, the abundance of your life and that their lives will not be born from the cares in this world and the fear and the anxiety that comes from the cares of this world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, and it, it's been a long time in between these messages about the, the kids that I've preached and I thought about just scrapping the last one, but I didn't want to scrap the last one. Um, so before I went to Europe, I preached a couple of messages about um, our children and how we can walk with our children and how we can see their hearts kept from the wisdom of the world, right? Um, and today I want to finish up by talking about the cares of the world, right? And how the cares of the world try to come against the hearts of our children and what God has done in Jesus Christ to keep our hearts from the cares of the world, right? And so we, we want to finish up with that, and it'll be a nice little uh, bookend to what we've already talked about. There's a lot of different ways you could talk about this. All, all of these things will, will have a line of, of consistency in them, um, and so it, it'll be good. At the end of the day, um, all of these things will... will open our eyes and lead us into the place where, where we could see what God has done to keep our children's hearts from fear and anxiety. And I'll probably get into this later, but I don't know if you guys realize, but there's an ec epidemic of fear and anxiety in the earth and amongst children. There's no accident for that. There's a very real reason why that's happening. And it's actually, that's actually what the world tries to do. That's actually the world trying to reproduce itself in people and in our children. And it, the weapon that it uses is it comes to fill people's hearts. It comes to fill our children's hearts with fear and anxiety. And that's how it tries to compel them to take up their own life, right? So if you're thinking, well, I don't have any kids. What good is this going to help me? Well, adults can also feel fear and anxiety. And adults can also be filled with the care of the world. So if you don't have any kids, that's okay because the same truth that will keep our kids is the same truth that will keep you, right? It's the same thing that will help you that will help your kids. And one of the reasons why our kids have been at such a disadvantage as they walk in this world, if we, I don't even want to say a disadvantage. One of the, the, the breakdowns we've had in the body of Christ is that because the leaders and the adults haven't understood the gospel, they haven't really been able to teach the kids the gospel. And so if the leaders aren't having their hearts kept from the cares of the world and the adults aren't having their hearts kept from the cares of the world, then how are they going to know how to teach the kids how to have their hearts kept from the cares of the world? It's not going to happen. And so 
this will help every single person. It will help parents understand how the world tries to come against their kids. So many times, listen, when I was a kid, I didn't want to talk to my parents. When I was a teenager, I didn't want to talk to them. So I didn't come home and just talk to them about all my problems. I didn't, right? But if you understand these things that we're going to talk about today, you'll already know what the problems are for your kids, even should they not say. You'll be able to see real clearly what's coming against their lives and what's trying to harm their lives. And you'll be able to speak words of wisdom, right, that can help guard their hearts as they walk through the world, okay? So just a disclaimer, don't let the carnal mind confuse you while I'm talking, right? Don't let the carnal mind come and say, but you didn't teach your kids that and they're grown already. This isn't the kind of thing where you're now going to be judged because you didn't know to teach your kids these things. Just to remind everybody, you're not justified by how you raised your kids, okay? You're justified in God coming and giving you His life free from your works, okay? So don't allow some heart to be, or some metric to be raised up in your heart or some law to be created in your heart where you're now somehow listening and judging yourself as righteous or unrighteous based on whether or not you did this, right? If you didn't know to teach your kids this, guess what? God's still Father, and they have a heavenly Father who loves them and can reach them and can minister life to them, okay? So that's what we fall back to, all right? Now, with that being said, there's some people raising kids right now that this would be very helpful to them, right? So let's go forward, free from the carnal mind. Let's not be judging ourselves, and let us just allow the Word to minister life and wisdom and revelation. Does that make sense? Right? Glory to God. Um, We'll start with Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, just to highlight the, the perspective. We're going to look at this now. This is Jesus talking, and um, it's the parable of the sower sowing the seed. You can also find it in Mark 4. But Matthew chapter 13, verse 22 says, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and this is the part we're going to focus on, and the care of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. See how it, it's interesting there because they use that word singular there. Like we immediately just think the cares of the world, and that's not inaccurate, but it's interesting the language that's used there because it says the care of the world, right? See how I'm pausing? and giving you all an uncomfortable silence? Just to let you think about that for a second. The care of the world chokes out the power or the ability of God to bring forth His life in people, Jesus says there. And you could look at it this way, because Jesus, uh, in Matthew 6, which is the same gospel, starts talking about, take no thought, for your own life, what you shall eat or what you shall wear. And he's not telling you that's what you must do because then he follows it up with, if he dresses the lilies, 
with beauty and splendor. How much more does he clothe you? Right, so Jesus is talking about the fact that God, the Father, has taken thought to care for your life. He has thought, taken thought to care for creation and to care for the earth. So don't take the burden of caring for your life and the burden of caring for the world onto yourself, right? Because if you take the burden of trying to bring forth life in yourself or trying to bring forth life in the world, what will happen is that that will choke out the power of God from being able to bring forth his life in you, right? You guys following that? So that's what the care of this world is a stumbling block to people experiencing his life. The care that comes along with this world and the life that's in this world is a stumbling block for our children. It's a stumbling block to them experiencing the life of God, and it's that which will cause them to be filled with fear and anxiety, right? And so you might think, well, why is that? How is that? Well, we'll just look at this. This world, the care of this world, right? This world is not just talking about the earth, okay? Now, the earth has been corrupted by death, but what it's talking about is this world that's been built upon a perishing life. This world has been built on the shoulders of a perishing life, a life that's passing away, a life that's decaying, right? A life that's subject to moth and rust. That's what this world has been created in. It's been created in corruption. And what happened is, is the serpent got Adam to sow his strength into the earth. He got Adam to try and bring forth life through his own strength. And what that did was it brought forth death and it founded a world that's built upon death, right? The life that's of this world, the life that's been fathered by this world, and all the systems that were brought forth, all those things were brought forth in corruption, right? So if this world stands in corruption, if it was brought forth on the shoulders of a perishing life, do you see how much care would be required to try to take care of this world and this life? I mean, have you thought about what it would take to bring creation out of death and into an incorruptible life? What about your own life? Have you thought about what it might take for you to bring forth your own life out of death? out of corruption? Right, so it, it's a problem that the world was created this way. It's a problem that the world was brought forth in corruption, that, that this world was built on the shoulders of a perishing life. The reason why it's a problem is because mankind was created for uh, the immortality of God. Mankind and creation, we were created to be in the likeness of God's immortality. Right? So we sit with a longing or with a desire or a homing signal inside of us for an incorruptible life. We have something in us that is always gravitating towards trying to have an incorruptible life, trying to have a life that's been perfected from death and corruption. We have something in us that is all the time wanting that. Right? And so now it's a problem 
for a creature with that type of thing going on in their heart, it's a problem for that type of a creature to now be in a world that's brought forth in corruption, that stands in corruption, that all of its systems are corrupt, all of its systems are perishing, everything in the world is perishing. And now we find ourselves in the midst of a world that's perishing, all the while we have something in our hearts where we want something that can't perish. Right? If we take up a, 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 a collection for Thanksgiving, for food, for the homeless. Ain't none of you guys bringing something that's perishable. And in fact, we tell everybody, bring non-perishable items. Why do we want non-perishable items? Because we want to give them stuff that won't be corrupted or won't have been decayed. Right? And so we have this yearning inside of us for that. The world is longing for an incorruptible life. This world is actively longing for an incorruptible life. This world wants to be delivered from corruption. It wants to be brought forth out of corruption and it wants to be decorated in life. This world actually wants to be decorated in the fruit of God's life. When you look at Adam after he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he didn't say, well, I don't want to be decorated in life anymore. I don't want to be clothed in life anymore. I don't care about that. No, he still wanted to be clothed in an incorruptible life. He still had a longing to be brought forth out of corruption into incorruption. He had a knowing inside of himself that this life that's perishing is no good. And I got to somehow get myself out of this life that's perishing. And then what he did, because he didn't know God, he didn't see God was there to care for his life. He began trying to bring forth his own life out of the corruption he stood in. He began trying to perfect his own life from sin and death through the strength in his own hand. That's what he began doing. But he still wanted the incorruptible life. So now a world's been founded in corruption, but the world is wanting an incorruptible life. And all the world can see all around itself is corruption. It's things that are born from death. It's things that are born from corruption and a perishing life. That's what the world stands around looking at and beholding. You could say it this way. All of creation is groaning in travail, desiring to be brought forth and sanctified from sin and death. All of creation is longing for that. You could say all of creation is longing to be cared for. And the only kind of care that will do, it's not just any kind of care that will do, the only kind of care that will actually do is for this world that's perishing to be made imperishable. That's the only thing that would satisfy this world. You ever notice how everything we're doing is to try to perfect life? Why did we make these iPhones? I mean, wasn't the premise that it will make life better? How many of you think the iPhone made your life better? I mean, listen, it's cool what it can do, but let's just be honest. I mean, like, I can't get a moment's rest now because everything is right there. Like, all my emails immediately, all my texts immediately, all my calls immediately. You can't say you missed a call. You can't say you missed a text. You can't say, oh, I didn't see that message. I see right there, you saw it. <laughs> I mean, the guy that invented the air conditioner, I mean, here in the South, God bless that guy, right? But, I mean, the premise is to make our life better, right? But have you stopped to think about just the spiritual meaning of that? The guy didn't want to sweat anymore. Something inside of him said, it's not right to be sweating all the time. There's something wrong with it, right? 
And then he set about to make something that could make the flesh no longer sweat. Now listen, that, that, that kind of a thought isn't foreign to the scriptures. If you look in the scriptures, God told Adam, because he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because he founded a world in corruption and in death, God told Adam that was going to cause him to be living by the sweat of his brow. And why was it going to cause Adam to live by the sweat of his brow? Because Adam was created for a life that can't perish. But now all of a sudden he's in a world and he has a life that is perishing. And so he's never going to be happy with that kind of a life. So he's going to take upon himself the burden of trying to care for the life that's in the world. He's going to take upon himself the burden of trying to care for his own life. And the only kind of care that would do is to bring creation or bring the world up out of death and into an incorruptible life. I don't know if you guys realize it, but there's a lot of cares that go along with trying to manage a life that's perishing. There's a whole lot of cares. I mean, even just today, even if we don't think about like tribulation and anxiety and, and things that could be extraordinarily wrong. I mean, I had to get up today and I had to clean the filthiness from off of this flesh. Because this body can stink. It can sweat and it can smell, right? Then I had to drink water and liquids and I had to eat. All those things I'm doing trying to manage this life that's perishing. Then I had to take some vitamins. I had to take a multivitamin, right? Because this dust body, right, has minerals in it. And this dust body needs minerals to stay strong because it's actively perishing. And so I had to take this vitamin. Well, one vitamin isn't enough, don't you know? I also have to take this fish oil pill, right? And, and then that's not enough. I also have to take this, this natural herb pill for blood pressure, right? Because I'm an excitable guy. I don't know if you know that, right? And sometimes, I, I'm, sometimes my passions can run roughshod over me, right? All those things before even 7.30 in the morning. Now forget, that doesn't even include like the, the, the coffee I made and that I had to drink in order to get myself going and the juice that I drank because there's vitamin C in there that my body needs. All of these things I'm doing just to try to manage this life that's perishing. And that's nothing extraordinary happening out of the blue. Those are just things we become used to, right? Oh, that's just, that's just the way it is. There's a lot of worries and fears and anxieties that come with trying to perfect your life from the death and corruption that's in this world. There's a whole lot of fears and anxieties that's involved in that in trying to make your life perfect from the corruption you see everywhere. There's a lot of cares and worries and anxieties that are found in you trying to keep your life from the injustices and the corruption and the death that you see everywhere. In fact, those are the things that torment us, right? There's a whole lot of worries and fears with that. It's a heavy yoke to take upon yourself, trying to carry the weight of bringing forth your life out of corruption. Now imagine carrying the weight of trying to bring forth society out of corruption. All the things we say are wrong in society. Now imagine the heavy weight of a person trying to bear upon themselves eradicating all of the problems in society or perfecting society from sin and death. 
Imagine all the cares and anxieties that are involved in that. You ever notice that no matter how good we get life or society, it's never enough? Have you ever noticed that? One thing you lack. That, that voice will always come to you, right? If you're, looking, if you're looking for your life to be perfected from sin and death, and the, the, the foundation from where you're looking at that from is the world around you or what you see in your flesh, listen, the word you'll always hear is one thing you lack. You'll never get to the place where it tells you your life has been perfected from sin and death, right? It will always tell you one thing you lack. It's hard labor taking on the yoke of, of, that, of that burden, carrying the weight of trying to perfect that. And that, like I just said, the scriptures describe that as sweating from the brow. That's what God was telling Adam. He's all, listen, bro, you were made for a life that can't perish. Now you're standing in a life that you're actively seeing perishing in front of your face. That's going to cause you to take the weight of perfecting yourself in this world from sin and death. And you're going to be sweating from the brow all of the time doing that. And the scriptures draws a contrast between that kind of life. The kind of life where you're sweating from the brow because you've taken on yourself the burden of caring or bringing forth the world out of corruption. It, could, it draws a contrast with that kind of life and walking in the cool of the day. And what would be walking in the cool of the day? What that would be is that you're not living from the sweat of your brow, but you're walking in the good work of God because you're seeing how God has taken upon himself the burden of bringing forth creation out of corruption. That God has taken upon himself the burden of perfecting creation and perfecting your life from sin and death. And so now you're not sweating from the brow trying to deliver yourself because you see you have a deliverer, right? I mean, listen, the world wants to be cared for. It wants to be cleansed from corruption. It does. But because the world doesn't know God, what happens is it casts all its worries, it casts all its fears, it casts all its anxieties that come with trying to care for a perishing life. It casts all those burdens on the backs of people. I mean, even recently, what, and this isn't a political statement. We're talking about the wisdom of the world. It just so happens that most of the things in our society are all born from the wisdom of the world. In the last couple of years, we've had this saying, silence is violence. And what's the premise behind even saying that kind of a thing? That we as a people can now cleanse and perfect this world from the injustices that come from death. And the reason why you would even come and tell somebody silence is violence is because you're trying to compel them to take the burden of perfecting the, this world from injustices on themselves. It's just the way that it is. And the reason why the world would even say those kinds of things, the reason why that voice can even come, do you know why? The world wants to be cared for. And it sees that these things are corruption. 
These things are not consistent with life. These things are born from sin and death. These things aren't right. And we're longing for a world that's been perfected. We're longing for a perfect life. We're longing to come forth out of this corruption into incorruption. And now we see that we don't know God. And because we don't know God, that leaves it up to the people to do it. And how are we going to get the people to do it? We're going to come and compel them to take the weight of doing it on themselves. The world wants to be cleansed from corruption. But it doesn't know God, and it doesn't know what he's done to perfect the world. And so what the world does, and we're talking about our kids, the world tempts our kids to take up their own life. The world tempts our kids to look to the strength of the flesh. It tempts our kids to look to the strength of their own hands to bring forth life. It's tempting our kids to take upon themselves the burden of bringing forth life. It's tempting our kids to take upon the burden of perfecting this world from sin and death. It's tempting our kids to take upon themselves the burden of making this world perfect by cleansing it from all injustices. It's a heavy burden if you think you're going to cleanse this world from injustice. That's a heavy yoke. There's a lot of cares and anxieties because do you know how many injustices you can find? They're underneath every rock. And in fact, even when you thought you weren't committing any injustices, you come and find out that because you've been silent, you've now committed violence. And so you're, you're committing the greatest injustice that could ever be committed. You see what it's trying to do? It's trying to compel you to take upon yourself actually the burden of being God. Because God's the only one that can cleanse the earth from injustice. Right? So the, the world, it tempts our kids and it's tempting them to take upon themselves the burden of bringing forth life. And the way that it tempts them, the way that it tries to do that is by coming to them and staining their conscience with the corruption and the tribulation and the injustices they see in the world. That's how it tries to tempt them to take the burden on themselves. Do you know why? Every single human agrees injustice isn't right. Every single human agrees corruption isn't right. Every single human agrees death isn't right. So it's a real subtle thing that's very deceiving that carries with it a lot of weight when you come to a people that know they were made for an imperishable life and you come and point out all the things that are causing their life to perish. You're putting on them the care of the world. You're putting on them the burden of cleansing the world from death. You're putting on them the burden of cleansing their own life from death. That's why there's an epidemic of fear and anxiety in the earth. It's like coming and taking all that God is and his ability to conquer death and bring forth life, and you're sticking it on the backs of little kids. And you're telling little kids not just that they can be God, 
but that they ought to be. And if they don't want to be, then they're the devil. That's what the kids are dealing with today. Jesus says in Matthew 18, listen to what Jesus says about entering the kingdom of heaven, which is what the world wants to enter into. The world wants to be cared for, and the kind of care that it wants is it wants to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It just it wants to do it apart from God because it doesn't know God, and it doesn't know the work of God to bring them forth in the kingdom of heaven. And so the world wants to be in the kingdom of heaven, right? But the way it wants to get into the kingdom of heaven is completely opposite of the way Jesus taught that you would enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what Jesus says about how you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So now the world is telling you about it. Forget your childhood. Forget your innocence. You got to grow up today. You got to be an adult today, meaning you got to carry the burden of bringing forth life onto yourself today. And that's how you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's how you're going to bring forth the kingdom of heaven in your life and in the earth by you taking the burden of bringing forth your life onto yourself. That's what the world says. Jesus comes and says the opposite. Unless you become as little children. Your life will not be brought forth out of corruption into incorruption. Unless you become as little children, you will not find your heart kept from the injustices in the world. Unless you become as little children, you will not experience the peace and the love and the joy that you're yearning for. It's the exact opposite thing. Unless you lay down the burden of bringing forth your own life, unless you lay down the burden of bringing forth this world out of corruption, you will in no way experience the kingdom of heaven. You will in no way experience the power of an incorruptible life. Unless you become as little children, Jesus says. So Jesus, on one hand, says, unless you return to an innocent state where you have no cares, and the world says, unless you begin caring a whole lot. <laughs> Two opposite things. Little children. I mean, what is it, what is, how is a little child? What does it mean to be a little, little children? Listen, I think most of us know this. Little children are innocent. And why are they, why, why are they innocent? And what do we mean by innocence? What we mean, really, is that they're, they're free from any fears, our worries, our cares, our anxieties. They're innocent. Do you, do you know why they're free from all those things? Because their conscience hasn't been corrupted with the idea that they have to care for their own life. Their mind hasn't been filled with the idea that they have to give themselves life or care for their own life. They're free from the worries that go along with caring for the life that's of the world and in fact when we say a, 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 their childhood was stolen when we say their innocence was stolen i mean why do we say that we say because they had to grow up too fast and what do we mean by they had to grow up too fast what we mean is the burden of life has now been put on them at a too young of an age They've now been confronted with all these heavy things that they shouldn't have been confronted with yet. And that's stolen from them their innocence. It's stolen from them their childlikeness. Because the moment they come and are confronted with corruption, the moment they come and are, are confronted with injustices, immediately the, that, the world, the things that those things speak, is going to try to compel them to carry the burden of bringing forth their own life out of pain, out of injustice, out of corruption. 
And now they're weighted down with the weight of their, the world, the weight of their own life and bringing it forth. The weight of I must protect my own life. The weight of my life can be harmed. And what am I going to do to keep my life from being harmed? The weight of caring for your own life. A little child, their conscience hasn't been stained yet with the fear that comes from a life that can be corrupted. They don't have any fear. They haven't been confronted with the idea that their life can suffer harm yet. <laughs> and so, they're, they're living free from any kind of a care. What kind of a care do you have if you don't know your life can be harmed? What kind of a care do you have if you actually believe your life can't be harmed? You won't have any. You won't have any care. A little child, like Jesus says, the reason why he says little children is because little children aren't carrying the burden of their own life. They aren't carrying the burden of bringing forth life in themselves or bringing forth life in the world. You know what they're doing? They're simply enjoying the life their parents provide for them. That's what they're doing. They're, they see their parents have taken thought to care for their life, and so they're free from taking thought to care for their own life. So now they're just living and moving and having their being within the life their parents have provided for them. And so why do they need to think about providing life for themselves when they have parents who have taken thought to care for their life? I wasn't thinking about how are we going to have dinner when I was a little kid. I wasn't thinking about where will the food come from. I wasn't even thinking about how the food got prepared. I didn't have to think about any of that. Do you know why? Someone else did. And so I lived free from the burden of what will we have for dinner? How will we have dinner? When will it be ready? Will we have it again? Is this the last dinner we're going to have? I never thought about any of that, right? I never thought about any of it because somebody else was thinking of it. I live free from the cares of my life, right? That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, unless you become as little children. He's talking about the father desires to care for your life. And the Father has taken the burden of bringing forth your life onto Himself. And the Father has taken the burden of bringing forth creation out of death into life onto Himself, right? And unless you can be persuaded that of that, unless you lay down the burden, the heavy yoke that comes from trying to bring forth life yourself, you won't be able to enter into or partake of the kingdom that God is bringing forth. That's what he says. Guys, I, I read the studies. I mean, there's some astronomical studies that they're doing when they're comparing the mental health state of young people today, right? And there is a mental health crisis amongst everybody, really, but especially amongst children. The, the rate of kids that are on medication for anxiety and fear is astronomical. The percentage of kids that deal with suicidal thoughts is like triple what would be the norm, right? Triple what would be the norm. And so there's a mental health crisis 
amongst children because their innocence is being stolen. They're not allowed to just be kids. All this heavy stuff is being put upon them. All these burdens about we don't have life and how we're going to do things to get life are being put onto the children. They're being made to carry the weight of a perishable life. And it isn't just like walking around in the earth. It, it's happening even in the schools. You go to school, and the school is not just teaching the kids science and mathematics. It's not just teaching the kids about geography. It's not even just teaching the kids about history. What they're doing at schools now is they're laying on kids the heavy burden of perfecting the world from things like hatred. They come and tell the, world, the kids hatred isn't good. We got to bring ourselves out of hatred. We got to eradicate hatred. Injustices aren't good. Injustices are in the way of us having a perfect life. We need you all to now take upon yourselves the burden of eradicating this world from injustices so we can be perfected from sin and death. They're putting the heavy weight of weeding out weather fluctuations on children. And they're telling them how the earth is going to be destroyed if they don't now take upon themselves the burden of eradicating weather fluctuations. These are kids. No human being is meant to take that burden on themselves. Now imagine taking kids that are just trying to sort out who I am. What's going on? They're just trying to sort out, does my friend like me or not today? What about that boy over there? They're grappling with all these hormones, all these things. They're trying to sort through life. They could have issues at home they're trying to sort through. And now they come to school and we put these heavy burdens on them. And make no mistake about it, we'll just call it what it is. We're putting the burden of perfecting this world from death onto them. The care of bringing forth life out of corruption. That's what's being put on them. And you know what all that is? That's the fear of death. The fear of death isn't just I'm afraid of death. It's exalting death in the eyes of people. So that in that death being exalted in their sight, it compels them to try to weed it out. Look at this death. What are we going to do about it? Fear and anxiety is... Do you know how much anxiety... Imagine somebody come to you today and tell you you have to deliver yourself from death. I mean, what does Thomas like to say before all of his gatherings? We're all going to die one day. <laughs> I think most people realize, okay, we're getting older and all right, I'm, 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 I'm going to cease to live in this mortal body one day, right? But can you imagine somebody coming and telling you you have to eradicate death from your body and from the world? That's the kind of fear and anxiety Adam felt when he saw his nakedness. And he didn't know God was there to cleanse him or clothe him with life. And he took upon himself the burden of trying to do it himself. That nakedness, that death was exalted in his sight. And that took him from rest and caused him to carry the heavy weight of trying to clothe upon himself. That's what's happening to our kids. Our kids are being their innocence is being robbed because they're being, uh, their nakedness is being uncovered. 
just like Adam's was, right? Look at the corruption all around you. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to fix it? You need to fix it. If you don't do anything to fix it, that's violence. That's how you that's how you compel somebody to take the burden of bringing forth life onto themselves. You hit them with the fear of death. Right? Because then it becomes very easy to get them to take a burden on themselves because everybody agrees death isn't good, corruption isn't good, lack isn't good, injustices aren't good. Right? And like I said earlier, really what they're doing is they're laying the burden of being God on the kids. They're laying the burden of being God on the kids. You know what they're saying to the kids? Use your ability. Turn their stones into bread. Make your ability your food for life. Make your ability that which can serve you with a life that's free from injustices. Make your ability that which can serve you with a life that's been perfected from sin and death. Use your ability to eradicate all the corruption from your life and from the earth. I mean, I was a perfectionist growing up. And you know why I was a perfectionist? Because I was trying to perfect my life. And, and I was trying to perfect my life because I thought if I can remove everything that was imperfect, then that would be a perfect life. That's the crisis we're putting on the kids. Right? That's how the world is coming to the kids. My little, eight, my little niece, when she was eight years old, she's in the Girl Scouts. You think in the Girl Scouts, you'd just be learning about how to camp, right? And how to survive, like, out in the world. Like, if you're not in a city, how, how can you have water? How can you find food? What can you eat? How can we camp? What, how do we make a fire? You'd think that's what they would be learning. Do you know what she was learning when she was eight years old in the Girl Scouts? About how the world was dying, and if she didn't stop flushing the toilets as much as she was, then the whole planet would be destroyed. What kind of a burden do you think that's putting on a little child? I mean, we're just talking practically about the effect inside of a person. Forget about the fact that Paul come and said God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself in his eternal life. So even the idea that this earth can be destroyed is nonsense. God has already done something to keep the earth from being destroyed. Right? God, God first doesn't want the earth to be destroyed. Listen, man, I know we love the earth. Do you know why we love the earth? Because the earth was created for us. But do you know who loves the earth more than we love the earth? The one who created it. And when he created it, he didn't create it with the intent that you would take the burden onto yourself of bringing forth life in the earth. He created it with the intent that you would see. He took the burden onto himself of bringing forth life, and then you would walk in his good work to sanctify the earth from sin and death. A dear friend of mine that grew up in California when she was like in grade school. The activists are out there. We got to get rid of the injustices. Really what you're saying when you say we got to get rid of the injustices, let's just say it like it is. Because the only way you can get rid of the injustices is if you eradicate death from all of creation. And so when you're trying to tell somebody they got to eradicate the injustices in the world, you're saying you have to eradicate death. And if you can't eradicate death, you can't eradicate injustice. 
They came to this little girl, the activists. And you know which activists they were? PETA activists. And you know what they did? They put a bunch of pictures of suffering animals in her face. Look at this injustice. This, look at this death. This isn't right. What are you going to do about it? You know what happens immediately in that place? You know what happened to my friend? Immediately they took upon themselves. Immediately their conscience was stained with death. Immediately they took upon themselves the burden of, I got to save all the animals from death. Now imagine a little kid living like that. Imagine the fear and anxiety that comes. This person's a grown adult now, and they're still tormented when they see animals because of that. You see, what's designed to happen when the world comes and tells you that kind of a thing, what's designed to happen is it's fine for you to feel like death isn't right. It's fine for you to feel like it's not right that these animals would be perishing. But what's designed to happen is that you would then see that God's done something to save all of creation from death. That God also thinks it isn't right. And there's good news for you if you think it isn't right. You have a Father in heaven who cares about the animals more than you do. And he's done something in Jesus Christ to redeem creation back from death. Okay, glory to God. It's not right, but he's done something. Now I'm going to walk in what he's done to make straight what's gotten crooked. Because I see he's taken the weight onto himself, so I'm not going to take it onto myself. Listen, we're not, I'm not saying that ignorance is bliss. Don't listen to this with the carnal mind. I'm not saying we go and stick our, our heads in the sand. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is the hearts of our children being kept from the fear that's in the world. So whatever it is they do is born from peace and knowing God's already done something to perfect their lives and perfect creation from death. Instead of their lives being shaped by fear and them trying to perfect their own lives and them trying to perfect the world from death on the backs of their own strength. Because it's a big difference. I also hate injustice, but I see the root of all injustice is death. And I see the only justice there is for anybody is what God has done to conquer death in the flesh. Did you know what I'm busy doing? I'm an activist. I'm busy declaring what God has done to serve everybody with justice. I'm busy declaring the only justice there actually is. I'm busy declaring the, the thought God has taken to care for this earth and to care for our lives so that we aren't deceived into taking the burden onto ourselves. So we aren't deceived into our lives now being born from carrying the weight of perfecting this world from death and perfecting our lives from death. Acts 15.10 the disciples or the apostles are talking because the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit. And this was like a, what? How can these unclean people receive God? Because they thought they were unclean. In Acts 15, 10, Peter stands up and he's talking. And he says, now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? A yoke, a burden, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. So the same burden we've been carrying this whole time that our fathers were carrying, 
that our fathers weren't able to, to carry, that we weren't able to carry. Are we now going to take that same yoke and we're going to tempt God? We're going to refuse what God has said and we're going to put that yoke on these people? Why are they going to be able to bear it if our fathers couldn't bear it and we couldn't bear it? And they were considering whether or not the Gentiles now needed to perform the works of the law. And Peter stands up and is like, how, how can we put that heavy burden on them when our fathers couldn't bear it and neither could we bear it? All those years that we spent performing the works of the law, we didn't make anything perfect. All those years our fathers spent performing the works of the law, that didn't make anything perfect. As, as perfect and as much as we love Abraham, Abraham died. How are we going to put this burden on them of perfecting themselves with the works of the law when we couldn't do it? And that's the same thing I'm thinking now. How can we place a yoke on the neck of our kids that neither we or our fathers or any other generation was able to bear? How many generations of humans have lived in this earth? At which point has any generation perfected this world from sin and death? At what stage has any generation perfected this world from injustice? At which stage has any generation in this earth perfected the world from hatred? How can we place upon our kids the burden of perfecting this world from sin and death when not even the apostles could perfect the world from sin and death? We ourselves haven't been able to perfect the world from sin and death. And now we're going to allow that burden to be placed on the kids? There's a reason why it's so deceiving. You know, Genesis 3 says the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The wisdom of the world or the world is also very subtle. And the reason why it's so deceiving to the kids is because it looks good for food. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was clothed in all this beautiful fruit. It was clothed in all these beautiful stones. Those stones were beautiful. It looked beautiful. It looked pleasant for the eat to eat. It looked like if I partake of this tree, certainly I'll have life. It looks good for food to the kids. You know why? Because it's good for there not to be hatred. Isn't it? We all agree there's good to not have hatred. It looks good for food if we could be in a world where there's no hatred. It looks like if we could rule out hatred, then we could have life. It looks good for food to think that it's, it's good not to have injustices. Everybody agrees that injustice is bad. Injustice is no good. And so it looks like if we could just rule out all the injustice in the world, then we could have life. And so that's why we partake of that kind of a thing. So easy. It's good for the planet to be saved. It's good for this planet not to die. And so that's why it's so easy to think, yes, I'm going to take upon myself the burden of saving the planet. The problem is, is the only way to perfect the world from hatred and injustices is to purify all of creation from death. That's the only way you can perfect the world from hatred and injustices. Eradicate death from all of creation. So listen to what's actually being said and find out if it makes sense to you. Don't hear, we must save the planet. 
and the way we'll save the planet is by getting rid of weather fluctuations. Rather here, can I remove death from the earth? Don't think of, can I remove hatred or take on the burden of removing hatred? Think, can I eradicate death from the earth? Because that's what you're actually being told. That's actually the burden you're carrying if you're going to get rid of hatred and injustices. You'd have to remove death. Notice how the world doesn't come to the kids and say, listen, take upon yourselves the burden of removing death. That wouldn't make no sense to them, would it? That's the problem. And the strength of the flesh is weakened that way. Listen, we can't eradicate death from ourselves, much less creation. Have you seen anybody get it right to remove death from themselves? Not a single person has gotten it right to remove death from themselves. So if we think we're going to remove death from creation, well, we ought to first test that thing and prove we can remove it from ourselves. And the strength of the flesh is weak. It cannot remove death from ourselves. It can't remove death from creation. And do you know what the kicker is? Do you know why this is even so destructive? Forget about the death that's already present. Should we try to perfect the world through the strength of the flesh? Do you know what it's going to produce? It's going to produce more death and more destruction. In trying to root out hatred, do you know what we're producing? More hatred. There's never been a time in this country where people have hated each other more. All in the name of removing hatred. If we try to remove racism, we're going to produce more racism. There's never been more racism in the last hundred years in our country than there is today. All in the name of removing racism. You can't remove racism through your own strength. Only removing death can remove racism. The Apostle Paul, speaking in Romans 7, talks about his desire to be cleansed from the body of death. Corruption. His desire for his life to be perfected. He talks about this desire he has to be, have his life perfected from corruption, from death, from injustices. And you know what he says? Because he, he, he went through a lot of flappositions trying to get that right. And he says, I observe a law in my members that when I try to enlist my own strength to be perfected from corruption, not only am I unable to perfect myself from corruption, but I actually bring forth more of the corruption that I didn't want to begin with. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine 29, and 30, we'll finish with this. This is Jesus talking. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden. Well, you know what we were heavy laden with? Trying to perfect our lives from sin and death. You know what we were burdened with? The weight of trying to care for a perishing life. The weight of trying to keep a life that's dying from dying and bring it forth in a state where it can never die. We were heavy laden and heavy burdened with that. That's what they're trying to lay on the kids today. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. You shall be delivered from fear and anxiety and worries if you take my yoke upon you. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? So there's rest from the cares of the word for our children in Jesus. Right? And not just in getting them to sing the song, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children all the day. It's great if they sing those songs, but you want to bring them forth in the understanding. You want to understand what's going on, right? You want to understand why there's rest in Jesus. You want to understand the anxiety and the fear that's trying to be placed on the kids so you can understand how Jesus brings them rest, so you can guide them or bring them to Jesus, which is the name of the message, let the little children come to Jesus. Suffer them not. Don't forbid them from coming to me. The world is trying to forbid the children from coming to Jesus that they might find rest. And the way the world is trying to forbid the children from coming to Jesus is it's placing on them heavy burdens. The heavy burden of bringing forth their own life and bringing forth the world out of corruption. If you look in the letter to the Hebrews, those guys were trying to sanctify themselves. They were trying to perfect their own life from death and corruption. That's why the author comes and says, there remains a rest for the people of God. You guys are busy trying to perfect your own life from sin and death. You're busy trying to bring forth your life out of corruption by your own works. Now listen, when the author found them there doing that, he didn't say it's bad to desire perfection. He didn't say it's bad to be cleansed from corruption. He didn't say, who cares about that? He didn't say, stick your head in the sand and pretend like there is no corruption, and also stick your head in the sand and pretend like you don't want to be delivered from corruption. He didn't say, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That's not what he said. What he said was, this is what he told the people. He told the people to mix their desire to be perfected from corruption with the faith that was revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what he came and told those people. He told those people to look unto Jesus for the perfection they were desiring. You guys want to be perfected from corruption? Very good. God's also wanting you to be perfected from corruption. And guess what he did? Because that's what he's wanting. He provided himself a lamb to perfect you from sin and death once for all time. He came and told the Hebrews the substance of what you're desiring when you're wanting your life to be perfected, when you're wanting this corruption and this sin and death to be done away with, the substance of what you're wanting there is found in Jesus. That's where it's found. So listen, if we desire our kids to find rest, which is, I think, what we want. Nobody wants their kid to be filled with fear and anxiety. Everybody wants their kid to be able to live life, right, burden-free. What we can do is we can explain to our kids why the world is doing what it's doing, right? Listen, the world just wants life. It's wanting life. We can explain to the kids that the world is just wanting to be healed from corruption. The world is wanting to be healed from the injustices that come from death. That's why they're saying all these things. The problem is they don't know God shed his own blood to perfect them from corruption once for all time already. So it's, it's not that we don't care about these things, little Joe. It's not that we don't care about these things, little Christy. 
It's not that we're indifferent to these things, but we see God. And we see God also desire to perfect our lives from death and perfect the earth from death. And we see God provided himself as a lamb that he would perfect us in all of creation once for all time. And we see that that's actually the only thing that could do it. Right? So we understand the dynamic and we come with wisdom. We come telling our kids, listen, if you desire for the earth to be saved from its travail, if you desire a life that's perfected from injustices and the corruption in the world, there's good news for you. God also desires a life for you and for creation that has no spots and blemishes. And he has taken thought to give your life that kind of a care when he offered himself as a lamb. This is why you teach your kids about Jesus. You don't just teach your kids about a historical figure. You start to teach your kids about what it means that Jesus came into the earth. We teach our kids that God has taken thought to perfect their lives from death so they can be as little children. And so they're not deceived into carrying the weight of the world and the weight of their life on their own shoulders. We come and we tell them what God has done in Christ to bring them forth and bring their lives forth on the shoulders of Jesus' indestructible life. We come and tell them about this indestructible life. We can tell them the desire they feel for the world to be perfected from sin and death has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So they have their desire satisfied before the world comes and tells them that they have to take the burden onto themselves. No, 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 you don't understand. God took the burden on himself. Right? Does that make sense? We teach them to sing songs like the song we, we listen to. If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? How much more does he feed you? If he clothes all the lilies in beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? How much more will he clothe you? The world wants to be clothed. They don't see that God is drawn near to clothe. We can teach our kids that it's good to want to be clothed, and we can teach our kids that God is with them, having clothed upon them. Right? Oh, okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, that you love our children, that uh, you're with them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you, you poured out of yourself your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit can intercede in the hearts of our children, that it can bring them to the knowledge of the truth, that they can begin to see that you're with them to carry the weight of perfecting their life, that you've taken the weight of perfecting creation onto yourself. Thank you, Lord, that their life can be born from your good work and that they just be kept from the, the world's wisdom, that they could work their own way unto life. Thank you, Father, that you give all the parents wisdom to be able to explain this to their children, that they'll begin to, to be prompted like an unction on the inside when moments arise where they can explain these things to their kids, Lord, just like they would explain any other thing, like not running out into the road, Thank you, Lord, that this become a natural thing for parents to teach their kids, that it won't be strange, that it'll be easy, that it'll flow right from their mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you guys so much. You watch me. How much more will he love you?